Hey friends, uh, this is one of the Daves. I just want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, At the beginning of this podcast, we do talk about the murder of George Floyd. Um, And, you know, not everybody is like super into hearing about that right now. And if you aren't, if you need uh, a little bit of time, I totally understand. And please just skip to the next podcast. Come back to this a little bit later. I feel like we have a fairly um, good conversation about our feelings about it, but Again, I know this is could be somewhat triggering, so don't want anybody to uh, feel triggered if they don't want to. So um, if you want to just skip it, I think it's about 30 minutes in, and we get like, deep into the crazy bullshit of soccer that's going on in the world right now. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. We are the Daves you know, this is the Daves. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all Welcome back for another week of the podcast. Cheers. Um, this is a really shitty, shitty week to be doing a podcast. Um, literally about the time that we recorded last week, uh, George, Flo- George Floyd was murdered by the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, obviously, we, we didn't know about that at the time. Uh, only found out later. And the last week in the Twin Cities has been the, probably the most harrowing week uh, I've ever had. And that includes like 9-11. Obviously I wasn't in New York during 9-11, but personally for my life, this has probably been the most harrowing and simultaneously the longest and the shortest week uh, of my entire life. Um, I have never, and you know, you have MJ and myself today. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Dan is actually out. Um, he's doing uh, neighborhood patrol tonight. So he is out. Uh, Bill is going to join us, but he's very sick. So um, you just have MJ and I, and as uh, a middle-class cis white guy, I've never felt um, afraid the way that I felt afraid uh, for my community and my family and for the people that I love and, and care about. Um, like I have at various points throughout this week. And it's been a very, it's been very bittersweet because I've, I've had some really amazing things happen this week uh, that in any other circumstance would be sort of life affirming foundational things in my life. My son walked on his own for the first time. Uh, I had a birthday, I turned 38 yesterday. Uh, an organization that I, that I work for uh, and do vol- volunteer work for has raised uh, almost $175,000. And that is all compromised or or sullied by the fact that um, George Floyd is dead and that 
hundreds and, and hundreds of people have been arrested um, because of righteous anger, uh, because we have a very corrupt uh, system, whether that is the police. Um, our government has done us no favors in terms of their reaction. And so we bring this podcast to you. We're going to, there's a lot of crazy soccer stuff that also has happened in the last week. Uh, and so we want to, we would definitely want to talk about that, but we would be remiss. I thought I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this and, and talking with people and soccer friends in the Midway. I live in the Midway. I grew up in the Midway. I've spent literally probably 32 of my 38 years on this planet in the Midway. This is my neighborhood. This is my home. I, I wrote a little bit about it uh, on my uh, personal Twitter. And I think when I put the newsletter out this week, I'm going to um, sort of expand upon what I wrote. So if you're interested in, in reading that, you can, you can check that out on the Substack newsletter. But this is this to sort of, yeah, go back. Like I've never felt this way in my entire life. Um, scared and afraid and, and uh, pissed off and frustrated um, but also genuinely like uh, appreciative of, of people and, and seeing the people come out the d- mornings after and thousands of people like fixing their communities and, and uh, cleaning up and helping um, bring back uh, what was there uh, as much as humanly possible. So um, I just want to say thank you to, to those people. Um, Fred Rogers always said, look for the helpers in times of, of peril and in times of need. And I've seen a lot of helpers. I've seen a lot more helpers than I've seen uh, people who are trying to do damage to our community. And that gives me a lot of faith. That gives me a lot of hope. Um, and so that is kind of the, the uh, state of affairs here in the Midway. MJ, you're over in Northeast. How, how have you felt and what's, what's going on in your life, man? Uh, this is one of the first times when something like this has come up and I have not joined in with with protesters and marchers. Um, there have been plenty of marches that have gone through my neighborhood. There was a kind of a a, a big uh, march and uh, protest on the Hennepin Avenue Bridge just south of me in Northeast Minneapolis uh, this weekend. And I really want to be a part of those things, but uh, I have a pretty huge, almost irrational fear uh, as an Asian American of, of white supremacist groups. Um, I, I, I took uh, traditional Japanese karate for 12 years, uh, which does not make me an expert, but uh, um, I'm, I, I feel pretty confident in my ability to, especially being surrounded by allies and, and you know, a, a multicultural, you know, protest group, I should feel completely safe but uh, with the influx of reports of Proud Boys and, uh, you know, anarchists like uh, um, Boogaloo Boys and things like that, yeah. and the other reports that I saw from not just like reporters like CNN, but, you know, friends that I know that live in Minneapolis, friends that I know that are in neighborhoods and saying that they're seeing these unmarked license plates with these sorts of insignia, flags with the with these sorts of alt-right or, or white supremacist symbols on them. And uh, yeah, I pretty much stayed in the entire week. Um, I've, this has been the most afraid um, I have been. And I mean, I, I mean, it sickens me. I mean, it's a compound effect, you know, 
everything from, you know, in my lifetime, which I can recall, um, like Oscar Grant to the present, maybe, I don't know, like every, every one of the, you know, and then to hit home in the Twin Cities, you know, Jamar Clark, Flano Castile, you know, th this is, this is one more, and I can't say it's one more too many because the number of, of more than, than many that it is, is, is a lot more than that. Yeah. It's a lot more than one more. And it just, everyone just, it just keeps building on you. Um, so uh, the, I had no problems isolating myself this week. Um, I was, I was pretty overwhelmed and pretty stressed out. And uh, uh, those of you that know that I, I love food and I love uh I love eating food and going out and giving local businesses, uh, local restaurants, money, takeout, and um, going grocery shopping. I stayed in this whole week, um, and uh, I finally went out today to go to go to an Asian market to go grocery shopping. And the the boarded up businesses I saw both in North and Northeast Minneapolis was very harrowing. But uh, on the uplifting thing, a lot of the 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 boarded up plywood that I saw, you know, a lot of say his name George Floyd signs, a lot of justice for 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 George Floyd signage all all around the city that I saw, um, and places that small businesses that that could be open were open. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's not funny. Uh, you mentioned Philando Castile, and I, um, you know, I when Philando Castile was murdered by a police officer uh we've we had a banner at the uh um at all or at not, not alliance at the nessie because that was the last year of um the nasl days and uh and that i remitted that that was it was my profile picture for a while and then it was me and my son i had to, to bust out that um that picture <clears throat> and in in you know you mentioned it's you're right it's it's you know and i that's the thing i keep sort of coming back to is like how how and why is uh is this one different and i think honestly man i think it's because we got 40 million people unemployed <laughs> students right. aren't going to aren't having to go to class i think and I, I think that's not i think that's a good thing i think that like if this is the catalyst and this you know create some social change in minneapolis and in st paul i think that is a very very good thing um but it the fact that it it you're right. It's, you know, there, we can't even count the number of, of African-American and black men um, that have been murdered by police uh, in, on, you know, two hands, all of our hands yeah. um, in the, in the last, what year, two years, like it's, it's, it's an astronomical number. Um, it's unacceptable. And uh, I hope that it, and I think, I, you know, the, the other sort of thing that is reassuring um, it's slightly scary, but also reassuring is just like logging on to, to, Twitter. I have, you know, I know there's people like listening to the scanners of the, of the Minneapolis and St. Sure. Paul police departments. I, that just sounds, I would, I would lose my shit if I had to do that, but like reading, logging onto Twitter, just having TweetDeck open. Um, I think I've slept, I think last night I slept four hours, which is like sure. a long Yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, but I was, I mean, I think Wednesday night, uh, I think I was up to like five o'clock in the morning. I think I slept for like an hour and a half and then my son woke up. So I woke up for the day. Um, and so it's getting better. You know, we, we've seen, uh, there, we still have, you know, national guard patrolling grand Avenue and, 
um, driving around the, the Twin Cities and all that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's calming down and I think hopefully it will get a little better in terms of that stuff, but that doesn't mean uh, that, you know, we can't, we can be less diligent. We need to, um, I mean, I know myself personally as a, as a white person, uh, middle-class white guy, um, I need to be more uh, engaged and, and proactive and, um, you know, than I, than I have been. Uh, and that is just, and I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of white people are finally, finally realizing that. And I think that if nothing, you know, if, if this, like some, something good comes of it, I think if this is, and if we can actually make some changes, I think that'd be uh, huge. Um, anybody who wants to ask me about uh, my interactions with police officers, uh, I really don't want to take up podcast time for that uh, for, for several reasons. But let me just say, say this. Uh, the, uh, the harassment that I have received and the difficulty that I've received, and I'll just say it out there, racism that I've received from police officers pales in comparison to the stories that I have heard from my African-American friends mm -hmm. and African-American relatives and, and, and so on. So it's, uh, it, I mean, it just, it's, uh, there's no, there's no comparison. Yeah. I can tell you about the times when I was a dumb shit, like 22 year old driving around with a bottle of Jack in my backseat, probably drunk and just, and like letting, being let go by officers. Like if I was not the shade of white that I am, um, yeah, that would not, that would not have been the case. And, and, and I'm not saying that to glorify it. I was, I was stupid. I was a fucking idiot, but th that's something that, you know, you don't necessarily always think about until, you see what happens. So um, unless you have anything else you want to say about this, I think we can maybe move on. I know we have a lot of, uh, a lot of soccer stuff to talk about. So um, let's get to sports. Let's get to sports. Oh, and I just want to, I'll just say a couple, I wanted to shout out a couple things. Normally this is where we do the, uh, the Patreon page. We're not going to do that. Um, if you donate, great. If you don't, that's fine. Whatever. What I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage <coughs> um, is to find organizations that are doing work uh, in your community. Um, if your community is affected by this, if your community is not as affected by this, but you have the time, you have the means, um, you know, right now the, the Twin Cities is, is, is motivated and, and we're doing the work. We don't need people coming into the Twin Cities to help out, but we definitely can use um, money to help uh, fund things like food banks and, and food shelves. Um, a lot of the Twin Cities is about to become, is, has, is either already going to is already become or will maybe eventually become a food desert. Um, you know, lots of grocery stores and and uh, pharmacies and things like that were targeted. Um, so finding those places uh, that are doing the work like that, healthcare. Um, so there are there's a there's a really large, really good list. Um, I'll say personally, and, and I am like totally full disclosure. I am a part of this organization, the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative. Um, was literally we were in the middle of giving away about $75,000 in grants to businesses, to small businesses who were affected by COVID. Uh, we were literally going to cut those checks on Friday and then all this stuff happened, especially the midway. Um, so we pivoted. So we're still giving away those grants. Uh, 30 businesses are getting grants of $2,500 due to the COVID related crisis and, and work that we had done with Allianz and Minnesota United. Um, we pivoted and we started raising money to help small businesses 
and we're, it's still vague right now because we don't exactly know what small businesses need in the, in the Midway area, but raising money so we can do out, give out grants, help businesses rebuild, whether that is like, um, you know, fixing a window, putting up a new sign, and maybe helping uh, with rent payments or things like that, because um, they're going to continue to be closed for a long, for a while. And as of right now, this is like 822 on Monday the 1st, we've raised like almost $170,000. Um, that is literally in like four days. Uh, and we need a ton more money. So um, it's uh, at uh, NeighborsUTD on Twitter. Um, MidwayUnited.org is the website, or you can uh, give directly uh, at givemn.org slash story slash NUFC. Uh, N as in Newcastle, U as in United, F as in football, C as in club. It's a really terrible acronym for a soccer-related organization. Although it's you know not it's not officially soccer-related. It's, neighborhood, it's neighborhoods united, right? Yeah, neighbors united funding collaborative. Yep. Yeah. So I would really encourage you to give there uh, to help the midway. That's you know we are a Minnesota United podcast, and, and uh, I mean that's part of what we're trying to do. Um, or find your other ways. Uh, the, the Lake Street Council, is they've raised over $2 million to help the businesses in South Minneapolis and Lake Street. That's a great place. Um, places like the Black Visions Collective uh, and Take Action and the social justice organizations are also super helpful and, and, and really need the, the support too, is especially if we're going to enact the policy changes that are gonna be needed to things like, um, like you know, rein in the police and, and make it easier um, for, you know, uh, black and immigrant owned businesses, uh, p- p- person of color businesses to be more successful in the city. Um, so we need those policy people as well, as well as the boots on the ground, uh, sort of folks. And then the, there's an organization called North Star, uh, healthcare collective, uh, which is based in the midway, um, which, you know, a lot of people are out of work right now and are losing their health insurance. So people need care. They need uh, uh, assistance, whether it is COVID related or if it's um, just they, they need to go see a doctor and they can't afford to, to do it. So I really encourage you to seek out, you know, either in your communities, if your communities are affected um, by the protests and by the, the righteous anger that, you know, millions of people have in this country, um, or if you're interested in donating uh, to, um, to the Midway, we would definitely truly sincerely appreciate all of the support that people can throw, um, throw our way right now. So, and then the final thing I just want to say, um, so we partnered with hot clouds, uh, for our Patreon subscribers. Um, if you're not following them on Twitter, it's at hot clouds on Twitter. They're doing a really cool thing where they are, if you donate any amount to the neighbors United funding collaborative, um, you go to midwayunited.org and you can click on the donate button and then share your receipt with them on, on Twitter, uh, at hot clouds. Um, they will send you a bomber of uh, their new two newest beers, which are gluten gluten free or gluten reduced beers. Um, they have uh, a couple new ones coming out. They'll send you uh, if you're in the Twin Cities a bomber of one of them. They'll drop it off. They'll do the contact list drop off. And for the uh, and they have they're hoping to raise up to a thousand dollars. And I will tell you they they launched this yesterday and they've raised over six hundred fifty dollars uh, for the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative. Uh, the NUFC, which is really, which is great and fantastic. And we love Christian and we love the hop clubs and, and all those folks for, for doing what they're doing. Uh, a cool thing is that they are doing a, a six pack uh, of uh, infused beers. That's going to be super limited. I think Christian was telling me that there's only maybe going to be 10 uh, released in the world. 
Um, he's got a few set aside and he's going to donate one to whoever's the highest bidder. Uh, I don't know what the highest bid right now is. I know it's changed hands like six times. So if you're interested in, in that or just want to get involved with uh, the Neighbors United, uh, give MN, uh, that's G-I-V-E-M-N dot O-R-G slash story slash N-U-F-C. Uh, you click that donate button. And then um, if you want to reach out to the Hop Clouds, you can take a screenshot of your donation, uh, send it to them um, via email, or sorry, via Twitter. And uh, you can be uh, entered into their potential um, getting that cool beer, so. All right, <laughs> now can we talk soccer? Let's talk soccer. Cool? Cool with me. Okay. Uh, all right, so let's, um, so let's talk, because I, I don't want to talk MLS quite yet. Uh, let's talk Premier League. Uh, so yeah. while we, during the week, last week, the Premier League teams met. Uh, they agreed to uh, up the, whatever, move to phase two or phase three, or I don't even know what phase it is. But they resumed contact training. So they actually get in there for tackles and, and do all that. Uh, one thing that they did point out um, was that in their most recent round of testing, they had zero positive tests, which is a good sign for the league moving forward. Uh, and then what's our, what is our resume date, MJ? Uh, the last thing that I read uh, on the interwebs was June 17th is, is the start date. Uh, that is a Wednesday. And that'll, be, and that'll be the two games that are in hand. Uh, so the Aston Villa, Arsenal, or no, Man City, Arsenal, and Aston Villa, somebody. Um, those two games are going to be the ones that are played on the 17th, and then the full schedule will start again on the 20th. Right. Yep. And then their hope is to wrap it up by early August. Yeah, they need to get that. Uh, they need to get that. Um, FA Community Shield, baby. Community Shield and, and FA Cup. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, they haven't they haven't figured out when they're going to play the FA Cup yet. And then uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, I know the the Champions League and Europa Cup or Europa League want to uh, try and play in August as well. Ideally, over like a long weekend where they can play out their the rest of their tournaments. So, hey, David, so, yeah, you, that's, that's pretty cool. You need that that. Uh, that several Premier League broadcasts are going to try to use uh, crowd noise from the from the FIFA 20 video game. I didn't. I did not see that. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, SB Nation reported this that uh, the Premier League is looking to where to find crowd noise that basically they have access. You know, they have rights to access right uh, to to get crowd noise from a concert or from someplace else you need permission probably usually from that venue to use that crowd noise and so i think they've partnered with with ea sports and 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 fifa 20 to use uh fifa 20 crowd noises um and it will only be used for the broadcast okay uh, and, and several fans have responded of like well that's only half the point you're supposed to be like using it to help boost your team and like influence refs and, and, you know, uh, you know, affect negatively the, the, the way team and all that stuff. And, but yeah, the, the, the idea is just to kind of give the broadcasts a, a, that illusion of, of sort of uh, noise that you will miss, you know, that we, we, we watching Bundesliga now, you know, we're, some of us miss it, some of us don't, but uh, um, so that is the, the current plan for that. 
Interesting. Um, uh, you know, I have not been, I'm, I haven't been a huge fan of the crowd noise uh, in the Bundesliga matches, uh, but I'm not, it's also, it's not, I'm not uh, put off by it. I, I also watch a lot of soccer matches. I don't watch with the sound on anyways, or I, or I have the sound very, very low and I listen to, to music or I listen to a podcast or, or something. So I very rarely even like, honestly have the sound on um other than and or i'm at the bar watching the game so if i'm at the bar then the sound's on because it's just so goddamn loud um but very rarely if i'm at home and i'm watching the game do i have to sound up very well very much anyways so um i'm interested to see what they do with the fifa noise um all right so we did have some bundesliga action this weekend it was a (laughs) it was a i don't know Weekend was just kind of weird. Um, Glad- Gladbach destroyed Union. Berlin. Yeah, Gladbach destroyed Union yesterday, four to one. Uh, Dortmund um, put a beat down on Paderborn, six to one. So I, uh, so Anna made me uh, for my birthday. She made pancakes yesterday. She made Yoda pancakes. So like, made like, years? Yoda heads in like with green green pancake batter, and then the body oh, wow. regular pancake batter. Um, and then I, I went and took a nap and then I woke up around and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the Dortmund match. So I went upstairs. I was like, ah, oh, Ragnar's down here. I'm just going to take a nap and, and or go up there and hang out. I fell asleep for the first half of the Dortmund match. And I woke up to a call just around the 50, like 52nd minute or 53rd minute. I didn't take the call. So I was a little drowsy still from, from a nap. I looked at my phone and my phone said, oh, it's Dortmund two, Potterborn zero. And I looked at, up at my TV. And I was like, the TV said zero zero. I was like, oh, and I realized like the TV was like six minutes or five minutes slow from my phone. Uh, so I woke up. And you fought mob. And then I saw I saw seven goals in about forty minutes because <laughs> uh, Dortmund managed to put six past Paderborn uh, after the fifty like sixth minute or something like that. So, uh, were there any other games from the Bundesliga that you had any interest in in chatting about? Um, I. Ver- yeah. Bayern beats Hoffenheim 3-0, whatever. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Werder winning, beating Schalke, it was, you know, impressive. They're, they're fighting uh, for their lives in terms of relegation. Uh, Hertha has been on a, a tear since yeah. the, they restarted, and they were, it looks like they were in real danger for a long time. Bayern built, was, it was 5-0 against Dusseldorf, my bad. Yep, yep. So, um yeah, uh, Schalke loses at home to Werder, to, to Werder Bremen. Uh, they continue their their slump, their post COVID slump. So, yeah, and that was a big that was a big game for Werder. They're they're trying to uh, at least get into that playoff spot. They're only two points behind Dusseldorf um, right now, and uh, Union is only uh, four points off of that uh, relegation playoff spot. So yeah, yeah, you we we want them to stay up. We want more. We want more Berlin derbies, damn it. We absolutely so, do. We absolutely so, do. So. Um, yeah, hope, hopefully they can uh, turn the ship around. Yeah. Um, some pretty good games coming up this weekend. Uh, Leverkusen and Bayern play on Saturday morning. Uh, Dortmund and Hertha play at 1130 uh, Central Time on, on Saturday. Uh and then uh, Unium gets Schalke, the reeling, reeling Schalke, um, uh, on Sunday morning. So, yeah, maybe we'll try to play. Two te- the two teams that 
based on their pre-COVID status, have done the worst post-COVID. Yep. I mean, so that'll that'll be an interesting matchup just from a, you know, whose streak will end. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see. We'll see how things go. Maybe we'll try and do a a Dave's I Know uh, Zoom speakeasy happy hour watch party thing. So, all right. What's – you want to talk K-League? Yeah, I can talk some K-League. This has been a test of the emergency broadcast system. (laughs) In a real emergency, you would have heard, ah! Yeah. About to go and do a curfew in about an hour and a half, so. So, uh, in the uh, K-League 1, K-League 1, Pohang Steelers with a huge away beatdown on Incheon United. It's not really an upset. But that four-one is a is a huge away win for for Pohang Sealers. Um, my team FC Seoul uh, loses at home to uh, Seongnam, uh, which I attribute to their not being uh, blow-up sex dolls in the stands. They didn't have their fans there, so they just didn't have that extra energy to score against uh, Seongnam, who have surprised me this season. Um, they're not one of the bigger teams and they're, they're doing all right. Um, and then the last, uh, upset I'll talk about is, uh, uh, Gangwon won at home versus Hyundai Hyundai Motors, the, the table toppers, they table toppers lose away, but still I, I call this an upset. Um, so good for Gangwon. Um, I want to talk briefly about because Gangwon won, um, about the K league five foreign player rule. Um, there are a lot of uh, rules about, depending on what league you're in, about, you know, homegrown players, so many players that have to be from your uh, lower league clubs or your uh, uh, player academy, things mm-hmm. like that, trying to make sure your identity of your club, you're not just buying players and building an all-star team. So many of your, you know, La Liga has rules like this, Premier League has rules like this, Um some MLS has rules like this. Yep. Uh, so in, in the K-League, they have that you're only allowed to have four play, foreign players. Uh, one slot is for a player that comes within another AFC region. So Australia, Japan, um, China, things like that. Another one is for the uh, ASEAN. They, it's the Southeast Asian community. So like if you were trying to bring up a, uh, a Thai or a Singaporean or Indonesian soccer player, Filipino, like they fill that, that role. Currently no teams have anybody in that role. And the other three can be from anywhere. And those are mostly Brazilians and Eastern European. Um, Gangwon who beat the table toppers one nil are the only team that has one foreign player rather than four. All the other teams have four. So, uh, and it, uh, that's uh, Takahiro uh, Nakazato, Ta- Takahiro Nakazato from Japan. They are the one foreign player. And despite their mostly Korean squad, nothing against Koreans, uh, they beat the table toppers. And I think that's impressive. Um, nice, good for them. The the table right now, after four games in, uh, Jondo Hyundai is still at the top, but only by one point. They're at nine points. Uh, Ulsan Hyundai at eight. Uh, Xiongnam rising up the table to third, Pohang Steelers seven, 
uh, points, rising up the table to fourth. Gangwon with that at seven. Uh, Sangju Sangmu, um, which is the military academy team that are going to be relegated due to their decision. Um, they are they are choosing to um, due to resources uh, to relegate to K League Two next next year, regardless of where they finish in the table. But they are sixth. They are ahead of FC Seoul that went into this week at second place. FC Seoul goes in this at second place and because they lose at home they are now in seventh and and, and, and and if there weren't so many other tragic things in my life going on right now um two relatives with covid you know um all the racial bullshit and mess from this from this week i would be sad about that but this it's yeah it's just sports it's, you know yeah life life uh life's fucking weird man um <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk NWSL. So NWSL hashed out a, an agreement um, with uh, the players and uh, the owners for a – They're going to have a season. Yeah, well, a World Cup – a tournament. They're not going to have an entire season. Yeah. Uh, so the World Cup-style tournament, um, there, it's going to take place in Utah, uh, which is – so I have some – Let's, let's talk about the actual format, and then I have some thoughts on on okay, Delroy so Hansen, that motherfucker. Can I, can I talk about the format? You talk about the format, yep. Okay, so basically here's the, the, the draw was held today, which basically just sets the schedule. Um, it's not really ranking teams. It's not – this isn't a bracket draw where you find out which teams are going to play, which teams in a bracket like NCAA Final Four. But what it does set is – which teams are going to play which teams because there are nine teams total in NWSL and for the preliminary round, they only play four games. And because it's nine teams, you can't really neatly make groups without a lot of buys. Like three groups of three would give you a lot of buys. So they've created a schedule for every team to play four games um, through uh, nine match days, if you will, which is how the math works out. Um, nine teams playing playing four teams each gives you uh, four and a half match days. Or if you spread those four and a half match days out into two match days, four and a half becomes nine. So, uh, and uh, most of the games are going to be held at Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman, Utah. It's about a suburb about 25 miles south of Salt Lake City. Um, it's really wasn't a suburb, but the population growth is growing so much now that it's kind of becoming one. And, uh, and it's the home of the Monarchs USL championship side. Yeah. It'd be like going to the Nessie. Yeah. It's a 5,000, right. 5,000 seat stadium. But what's really cool is the the semifinals and finals are going to be at Rio Tinto, which is the, obviously the, the Real Salt Lake stadium. So I think it's a, I think it's a good format. Uh, After, after the four preliminary matches, the ninth place team in the table will be eliminated and the other eight teams will go to a bracket. For those that aren't familiar with the previous NWSL that had a balanced table, um, out of that balanced table, those nine teams, only four would make it to the postseason. They just had a semifinals and finals. So -hmm. with the eight-team bracket, what's great about this, if you're a fan, is there's a greater chance, eight out of nine that your your team's going to make the playoffs, <laughs> your team's going to make up make the knockout round, um, and so it puts a greater amount of pressure on the knockout 
or playoffs and less on your, your preliminary round, uh, you know, regular season, if you will, or group stage or preliminary round. Yeah. And so a um, couple of things to note here. Uh, the players are getting paid in full. Um, even players who decide, and, and there are some women's national team players. They have, they haven't been identified, but there are some women national, national team players who sound like they're probably not going to participate in this for, um, you know, whatever reason, um, health or, or whatever. Um, it's literally, it's their choice and it's, that's a, that should be their choice. Um, but it sounds like they're not going to be, um, disincentivized in terms of like not getting paid. So this, I mean, if you're going to do something like this, um, this is the way to do it fully guarantee your healthcare and, and paying your players and, and all that. I mean, this is the most stand-up way to do it. Now, let's talk about the motherfucker uh, running the thing, um, which is Deloitte Hansen, uh, who is the owner of the uh, Utah, is it the Utah Royals? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the women's team out there. Um, and uh, he's also in Salt, Salt Lake, right? The RSL team? Right. He, he, he stole the team from FC Kansas City, right? Yeah. Yep, he stole – yeah, the Utah Royals from FC Kansas – from Kansas City, yes. Uh, that guy, uh, the beginning of the fucking COVID, basically laid off, like, most of his staff. And he's going to be running this tournament by all indications from, from people that I've read. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard any different from people that I trust in terms of sources, like, very bare bones staff-wise. Um, this is a, a billionaire – um, who can afford to pay people for a year, uh, who laid people off and is going to be reaping all the benefits or most of the benefits of uh, this tournament in terms of the exposure and, and all the accolades he's going to get, all the, the, the positive press he's going to get. Um, meanwhile, he fucking laid off uh, most of his staff um, and is a greedy motherfucker. So it's great. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I think the, the opening game and as well as the semifinals and the final will be on CBS proper. Yeah. Um, and then new, the new deal of NWSL with CBS, yep. for those that have not tracked with the uh, crazy history of TV contracts with the, the th- any of the three pro women's soccer leagues in, in top tier uh, pro women's soccer leagues in the U S yeah. um, they have struggled with, with media coverage and, and, you know, the, Games yeah, being shown on Facebook Live, you know, like yeah, so being picked up by CBS is huge. Yeah, so it's great. They're gonna show, you know, they're gonna show a few games uh, for sure on the on the main channel on um, big CBS. Um, I think CBS All Access will have uh, all all the games um, for for the for the tournament. They were planning on having them all for maybe the CBS Sports Network. So if you if your cable package or your streaming package or whatever gets that, like keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise I, me. Sorry, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, with depending on what other sports are going on, if they might move some of the games that were supposed to be on CBS All Access over to Big CBS as well, um, considering there might not be a ton of sports going on. So, yeah, MJ. Oh, I was just going to say that exactly that. I, I hope when the when the original NWSL schedule came out, there were a lot of games on CBS All Access, you know, which is a satellite, you know, pay extra channel, if you will. Or uh, is it a streaming streaming station? It is. Yeah, I mean, sorry. It's, it's a, it's so I'm hoping that that uh, more games get put on Twitch and on CBS and and CBS Sports Network. Yeah, the CBS All Access. It's like it is like seven bucks 
for, so I mean, you could subscribe to it for basically a month, maybe like two months. Um, and, you know, for like 15 bucks, probably see all these matches. Uh, plus you could also watch uh, the new Twilight Zone, the, the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, which is really, really good. Uh, okay. As well as if you're, if, you're into, uh, if you're into Star Trek, they have uh, the original Star Trek and uh, the new uh, Picard series uh, that uh, ended last year. So uh, there's some stuff on CBS, like the good fight, I think, if people are into the the good wife i know that's another thing so so it's, um, it i love that paying, series yeah. maybe maybe worth paying the extra like 15 bucks for to watch a, a some of the best uh, women's soccer uh in the world in terms of uh club teams and considering what we're seeing around the world in terms of like support for women's teams like there might not be a ton of women's leagues left after all this covid stuff uh is all said and done so um definitely check it out check out the nba sale it's, it's really good um, Saturday, June 27th, mark your calendars. That's when the Chicago Red Stars play the Orlando Pride and North Carolina Courage play the Portland Thorns. Both games will be good. All right. Um, let's talk about MLS. Oh, boy. <sighs> I'm trying to hold off on this one for lots of reasons, which I'm sure you all will understand and pick up here in a hot second. Um, I mean, just the sheer number of bullet points on our agenda, for one. <laughs> So there's a MLS released a statement today um, concerning the protests and everything that's happening. Um, you know, Ari George Floyd being murdered by a police officer. Um, it was, it's, if you, you can go to the MLS, I, their, their Twitter handle is at MLS underscore PR. You can read the statement there if you want. Uh, in terms of statements, it's, it's not, great it's not terrible it's i've certainly seen significantly worse statements from from play from people in places um if you for an example if you want to see a really bad statement go check out the new york islanders the hockey team uh what their statement was that is like the completely wrong way to do a statement um i've certainly seen significantly better ones uh a rival podcast uh the bsi podcast uh, put out a really put out an amazing statement uh, about like they're holding off on, on recording their show in solidarity with Ike and basically taking um, I would definitely go read it but basically like they're taking responsibility for being white people Benny and and, and uh, Sal and saying that they need to fight the fight it's not just on people like Ike and and the people that they know um, affected like directly affected like they need to step up and do it so there's a there's a good way to do a statement there's a shitty way to do a statement. MLS's statement is somewhere in the middle. Again, um, I mean, it's. I believe the M in MLS stands for mediocre, so this is <laughs> kind of what we expect. Yeah, the other thing that that just really fr- like bothers me is like because there was no. This is the first thing that they put out in four days, um, and a lot of places waited for three, four, five. Like, I mean, we haven't seen a statement from Minnesota United yet. Uh, and, and they're putting these statements out in, in the black, a black background with a white lettering. And like, it's literally, it's, it's like the same fucking ad agency is doing these for, for just go, just like Google that and look at all the different brands and all the different lead and all the different places, um, that are, are doing it. And again, like the MLS statement, you know, it, it, it's, it's not terrible. They, they at least say that George Floyd was murdered. Um, good for them. Um, in no, in no place does it say police in there uh, that a cop murdered George Floyd. 
you know, the team, the, the league, and I, I know the league is like between a rock and a hard place here with their openly uh, courting fascists and racists last year and, and, and shouting down and trying to uh, uh, shut down Antifa and, and people like you and I, MJ, who are trying to like kick racists and fascists out of our stadiums. They were actually fighting against us and, you know, ipso facto fighting for racist and, and white supremacists. Um, so I know that they don't want to fuck up. They don't want to say something that's going to bite them in the ass. This is, in my estimation, what they put out is like literally the bare minimum. Maybe it's a step above bare minimum. Bare minimum would, yeah, would... give them a little credit. It, like maybe they learned a little bit from last year. Maybe the fact that maybe it took them four fucking bit. days, but that's a lot. And the fact that we still don't have statements from most teams um, and Minnesota United, which this literally happened, like not like in their their metaphorical backyard, in their back fucking yard is where this happened on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and, and yeah, and tons and tons of uh, you know riots, arson, you know, and and crime, as well as plenty of peaceful protests and community action on cleanups in their front yard, you know, in their front yard. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, when Ja'Cory Hayes makes a statement on, on, on Twitter and Michael Boxall has made statements on Twitter that Minnesota United is amping that, you know, they're, they're retweeting those statements. That's great. You know, but to not have a statement from the, Minnesota United front office is really, really disappointing. I mean, there's something you said for, and I had a conversation with Notch about this uh, on Twitter, you know, his, his kind of his viewpoint. Um, and I'm sure I'm summing it up incorrectly. And, and, and I apologize, Notch is, you know, he wants Minnesota United to, to stay in their lane um, and uh, promote and elevate, uh, you know, people of color and their voices in, in the team and in the front office, um, which I think is, it's not the worst. It's again, it's, it's not bad. Like, you know, not saying anything is not great, but is, if you're at least elevating the people who have uh, like Icopara, like Ja'Cory Hayes, um, and I haven't really seen much, I mean, other than Michael Boxo, and then we saw Chase Gasper and Noah Billingsley were at the, um, was it on Thursday? I think it was Thursday. They were at the uh, the protest during the day, or maybe yeah, Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. Time all just blends together at this point. Um, but the, the the team, the players have been out there. This is obviously not like you know the team and Noel Billingsley and Chase Gasper, to their credit, were out in their uh, Minnesota United training gear. They wouldn't be out there um, in that in their training stuff without the team knowing it and without the team approving it the team went out of their way to not only retweet jacory's post they, they posted it on their own social media and i believe they actually have a post on their website with the you know the, the words that jacory wrote which were fantastic if you haven't if you haven't read it definitely go um read it and check it out and you know then we have michael boxo and, and ike Aparo, who've, who've you know had their own uh their own words to say about, you know, things that are going on. However, again, you know, this happened, it's not like this is, to me, this is not like it's any other MLS team. 
uh, and then I'll, I'll say this and I'll get off my fucking soapbox, but uh, this isn't like this is RSL or, or uh, Atlanta United or even a city, you know, or Chicago. I mean, I know where things are happening in Chicago. Um, we had a destruction of our community, like in the backyard, like in the literal backyard of, of, of Minnesota United. And it just, I, I just, that is the frustrating thing for me. And it's, you know, obviously it's built up by lots of things that this team has and hasn't done. And, and the, some of the tone deaf ways they've reacted to things and the runarounds that we've gotten for certain things. And we'll talk a little bit about the, some other stuff with Minnesota, United, which I think actually I, I like in a little bit, but in the meantime, I'm just, you know, I don't know. It's frustrating to me. Sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now. We've mentioned this on the podcast. We like to give credit, you know, like when Minnesota United gives money to the, to the, the, the community, the community fund that you're a part of David, you know, like, you know, when they're helping out the, the community that they're a part of, we want to give them credit for things. At the same time, there is a history of Minnesota United front office and, and PR of being, you know, really on the trailing, trailing edge. I won't even say trailing on the trailing edge. A lot of these issues. Um, and, and I don't expect, you know, you know, at 2 a.m. or something like that, or, you know, right after it happens for them to release a statement or anything like that. But yeah. I, I do, I would like to see them get ahead or release a statement, you know, kind of in the middle of things, not at the end of it, everything. Yeah. No. I said on Twitter, I don't even need, I don't even need, I don't need a 10 point plan of what you're going to do. Cause I know, the, I know the team is going to do something, right? We know they are. Um, they'll be late to it. That's, is their MO, which is, you know, it sucks, but it's fine. That's we just, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, the expectation we have for these guys is to be late. Um, and that's fine. Whatever. Okay. They're um, like the MJ of MLS. <laughs> A little bit, honestly, but uh, but at least fucking say something that you're going to, that you're planning on on helping. You don't have to be, you can be very vague about it. And and I don't know, maybe I'm just like a jaded um, communications person. Um, but, but maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm like just a communications person who's like, you know what? Like let's like get out ahead of it, and you don't have to like say like precisely what the fuck you're gonna do. Just say you're gonna fucking do something. Not saying anything says a lot more than having to like saying um, a very, you know, very vague statement than having to like, Oh, actually, you know, we're, we're, here's where we're going to hone it in. I'd much rather do that than just like not say fucking anything. Let people like you and me, specifically me run wild with our imaginations about how they're going to try and fuck the community. Um, and then then have to come back and say, and like do all the damage control. This team is like, maybe this team should stop hiring people to do damage control and hire people to actually do um, proactive fucking work. That would be a start, I think. And, and that's not to, to, to like disparage people in the front office um, who are doing PR and, and things like that. Because I know some of those people. I respect those people. I just say to them, like, think about this a little bit more, a little bit more from a much more um, macro perspective. Like, it, it'd be, their job would be a hell of a lot easier if they were just um, a little more proactive and a little more forthcoming than they are. Because this team is, like, notoriously not forthcoming with things. Um, and yeah, you, 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 neither you or I want Mike Shields job, right? No, I I I love Mike. 
right? Mike's a great Mike, Mike's a great guy, and he does the best with what he's what with what he and his department are given. I think. Uh, yes, but this is but this is this goes this is way above his pay grade, man. I know it is. It is. So you know, and I, this is this is a this, but this and this has been a thing with this team for. This is not a new uh, thing. Um, this is not even a new thing in the last like four or five years. Like this is something that's been going on for, or sorry, in four years. Like this thing, the thing that's going on for a while, and it just, it just every time it happens, I, I just, I kind of just sit here and just rack my brain about like how you could, like why someone's not in that room, just saying, what is the smart thing to do here? Um, like what's the thing that probably release an initial statement that is vague and safe. Okay. Do that. You know? Yeah. I really hope, you know, I'm, and I'm super excited because I think the team, the team, you know, it took them a while to get up to, to stuff with the neighbors United funding collaborative. And I think obviously COVID uh, kind of kicked, kicked their butt in a little bit about it. I, I I'm confident and I'm, I'm like super hopeful that the team will step up and will uh, be a major pack, a major factor and helping to rebuild the businesses in, in the Midway Union Park neighborhood. I, I have no doubt about that. I, um, it, sometimes it just takes a little bit of, uh, a little bit of prodding to get there, um, which I, is unfortunate, but you know, you, you gotta know, you gotta know who you're going to dance with. So, um, so the other kind of thing related to all of this uh, is Derek Etienne Jr. So Derek Etienne Jr. Um, plays for the Columbus crew. Uh, he's Haitian American and he was actually um, driving home uh, last night. And, you know, if you go to his Twitter, his Twitter account, um, you can, you can read his statement. Uh, his Twitter is uh, at Detienne underscore 10, uh, D-E-T-I-E-N-N-E underscore 10. And basically he was stopped twice. Um, Derek, he's obviously Haitian American. Um, so he's obviously a, a, a black person. Um, stopped twice by the Columbus police. Um, apparently he was told that he looks like that he has warrants twice as he was driving home and uh, pulled over for no reasons whatsoever. He apparently, according to like his tweet, like he, they, they said he made an illegal turn off the highway, which he apparently did not do. And then another time for oh. various a very like shady. I love that one. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's cool. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw after it was late last week, Mo Saeed, um, uh, former, former loon, Mo Saeed wrote a really, really amazing and poignant piece. And he put it on his, on his Twitter, uh, about being black in the United States. He's obviously, he's not, I think he's back in Norway now. Yeah. Anyways, he he posted a piece uh, or a, a note after the after George Floyd <clears throat> happened and you know the protest started, basically saying about how like the experiences that he had as a black person in in America, um, really you know with driving a fancy car and getting pulled over all the time and like it was it it was again it's it thing it's things that you know us woke liberals like know but we don't actually like do anything to change. It's just again, just another fucking thing that you know, this country needs to to fix. So, all right. <laughs> so now that we got that fun stuff out of the way, um, you want to talk about the players' association? 
Well, let's talk. So we got a little bit more detail on the Orlando uh, tournament. We did? Uh, as Well, yeah, a little bit. Okay. I can't remember. Did we, what did we, I can't even, again, man, the, the days have just melded together. So basically, did we talk about what the format was going to be like? Oh, yeah, we did. A little bit last week, yes. So yeah, so it's, it's basically, they're going to split, they're going to play all the games in Orlando. They're going to split. So to, to recap, they're going to split the conferences east-west. So you will only play east and only play west if you're, you know, whichever conference you're in. They're moving Nashville over to the Eastern Conference. And they're going to do two groups in each conference. Um, so the Western Conference teams, there's 12 teams in the Western Conference, 14 teams in the Eastern Conference with Nashville moving over for the year. Um, so Eastern Conference will have a group of six and a group of eight. Um, and then the Western Conference will have two groups of six. Uh, you'll play five games. So all three of the three of the groups will have you'll play just everybody in the group and then one of the groups you're not going to play everybody in the group because you're only going to play five games um and there's gonna be a tournament afterwards after that <clears throat> much like the nwsl to determine a champion of that uh the games in the group stage will count towards your conference you know your regular season standings and only conference games are gonna be played if if and when they play um soccer matches back in in people's home stadiums um, without fans. Only the, the, those games in, against your conference players or against your conference teams will, will count. So, so that is kind of the, the status of, of the tournament. The Players Association agreed to that format. They agreed to a lot of the sort of outstanding um, limitations and the outstanding uh, testing pro protocols and things like that. And then... Well, let's see. <laughs> and then the owners actually presented a plan to the players. Um, a plan that result that uh, added a shit ton of pay cuts um, and a lot of other things that, that the players were not, you know, were sort of like, um, uh, like sideswiped with, like they had no idea what was coming. And long story short, uh, so basically the owners, we can take a step back here. The owners have basically been negotiating this stuff, this stuff amongst themselves um, without any actual conversations with the players or the players association. Um, the problem is, is that the athletic has been getting and leaking all of the, uh, all of the internal discussions that the owners are having. So the players are finding out about all this, these uh, ongoing discussions um, that they are not a part of I'm doing air quotes about those things and uh vis-a-vis -vis the the media and the athletic specifically um so good on you jeff reuter uh keep doing your job um which obviously makes for some pretty weird intense uh situations including um dan grabber himself issuing a <laughs> issuing a memo to all the teams basically saying if they find out who the leak is they're gonna like they're gonna you're gonna like, fire them uh, sue them. Uh, so yeah, terminate them for their contracts, sue them for like a million dollars and defamation, like just basically, um, which that was also leaked to the athletic, which is yeah, we again, <laughs> fucking brilliant. Um, so yeah. And so the most recent, so the MLS players association, uh, came back with a proposal. Um, so I guess the other big things here are the owners proposed to the players, a, a different wage cut system, uh, that was not as aggressive as their 50%. Uh, I think it was like 25% or 20% or something like that. Um, they also 
asked for a force majeure uh, clause in the in the contract. Um, if you're not familiar with a force majeure clause, it's basically like if for some reason things can't be completed or you know, kind of like a kind of like an act of God sort of thing. Um, you either party can opt out of the contract, right? So the so the clubs could say. MLS could say we don't we you know we want to rip up the the CBA um, and this is actually into the CBA that they I'd already negotiated this is where they're trying to insert this language which I think is a big thing that people aren't necessarily realizing they want to amend an agreement that they already had in place they agreed to in back in January they're trying to amend that agreement um, adding this force majeure clause uh, which is something the NBA has uh, agreed to. The NBA Players Association has agreed to. Um, the Players Association came back and said, okay, well, we, we think that makes sense. We, well, we agree to that. They proposed um, a slightly less of a pay cut. Um, I think 7.5% pay cut with some deferrals and things like that, with that force majeure clause being in the, uh, in the agreements. Um, the, the owners then just came back with, I believe yesterday, a counter proposal. So a counter, a counter, counter proposal um, with the pay cut being eight and a half percent, adding an additional force majeure clause to the contract, which basically says, and I'm going to, I'm going to read actually directly from the athletic because I want to make sure I do it justice. And um, Sam Stasekel and Paul Tenorio wrote, if you're have, if you have a subscription to the athletic, definitely check this one out. Um, it, it's, it's great. Uh, Jeff Carlisle wrote a really good piece on ESPN too, if, and ESPN as well. <clears throat> if you don't have uh, an athletic subscription, um, but basically says the clause, the MLSP, MLSP agreed to was modeled on the NBA's agreement with its players. And according to source was in line with what the league recommended to the union. After the MLSPA agreed to the NBA style approach, the league came back to the union with a unique addition a clause that triggers force majeure if five MLS teams in a single season experience a 25% drop in attendance from the previous season. This level of specificity expands the definition of force majeure in what one source calls an unprecedented fashion beyond anything used in other professional leagues. So let me say that in English. I believe this is, again, an, an amendment and an addition to the CBA that the league and the team and, and the players association are trying to ratify, which is the document that a lot like basically lets the players play. Um, if for some reason, any reason, uh, a team doesn't get within 25% or five teams don't get within 25% of their previous season's average, they can tear up the CBA, lock out the players and renegotiate the CBA. Uh, that would be a crazy bonkers thing in just a regular time where we're not dealing with COVID because, you know, no one has, we were, you know, when financial crises are going to hit or whatever, it's even doubly bonkers when we're dealing with a fucking pandemic where in 2021, um, I would be very, very surprised if we play more than half a season with like up to full st- like full capacity, right? I think there'll be some places where like 
maybe like Florida, obviously, and in places where they're going to allow mass gatherings of, of people. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to play a, a support in a, a professional sport in Minnesota with more than like 25% capacity before this time next year. So, like, so, you know, it's basically they're, they're setting it up so that they can just get out of this contract. Um, all right. I'm going to stop ranting. I'll let you use talk MJ. Cause I have, I have a ton of other thoughts and I don't want to, I don't want to take all the time. I mean, the, the, the first question I, I mean, the first thing that I, criticism I have is they are tying player salary and player contracts to attendance, which the players have very little control over. You know, yeah, that, yeah. That, that that is the MLS team's front office. That is the MLSE's ticket sales. That is the MLS team's business partners. That is the MLS team sponsorship. MLS, you know, front office PR team, marketing. That falls in their camp. The players – while they they may be asked to shoot this promo for them by the marketing team or do this interview or this video bit, like the players don't really have a large influence other than trying to get friends and family members in the city that they know that they play in to show up to their games. They affect attendance. So it is absolutely bonkers to me. I think as you said, bonkers. I mean, it's, it it's, makes no sense. Yeah. And the other thing is the, uh, the owners apparently gave the team or the, the players association um, a, a deadline of tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, or today, if you're listening to this uh, at like noon or something like that, uh, otherwise they're going to lock them out. And so um, that's the other thing too, is that the owners have all of the leverage in this situation. Um in some capacity. I mean, I think the, the players have some leverage, but they don't have nearly as much. And we can talk about, there's re, there's myriads and myriads of reasons for that. Probably too many to discuss on the podcast. If you want to, if you want to like dive into our, in my DMS, I'm happy to, to argue uh, labor policy with you for a second, but I'll, I'll say the, the player, the owners have basically said, that if you don't accept this, we're going to lock you out, which right now the players are getting paid. They have health insurance, all that stuff. If, the owners decide to lock out the players um, that immediately they stop getting paychecks and cuts off their health insurance. Uh, Christian Ramirez is like a great example of someone. Um, his kid is due in like two months or three months. There's lots of players who are, who are whose partners, uh, you know, wives and partners are having babies in the next month or so. Also there's a fucking pandemic going on right now. Um, so it's a pretty fucking callous position to take that you, that you'd be willing to lock out players over, you know, this crazy, crazy force majeure con, uh, clause. Remove their healthcare during a pandemic. You know, the, the, the rich people keep doing the stuff that makes it so that people, I think are starting to realize that maybe healthcare shouldn't be tied to your fucking job, you know, like a civilized yeah. society. Um, and the other, so the other thing, the other two things I'll, I'll point out, uh, me here and then uh, MJ, if you want to, if you have anything else to add, um, you know, most pro professional sports labor disputes, it's, you know, billionaires versus millionaires, right? Like we're seeing this almost the same dynamic happen in baseball um, with their trying to, their proposals to get back to playing. 
and it's billionaires versus millionaires. And then you have, you have your troglodyte uh, chads, uh, chode fans um, who are siding with the owners, basically saying, you're playing a game. Get back out there. Da, da, da. Entertain me. Dance, monkey dance. Um, versus players who are millionaires, but are also like, listen, that guy's worth billions of dollars. Um, why can't he pay, you know, pay players correctly? Like, why are we taking, why, why are we taking on all the risk? And then in the minor leagues, you also have like, they're not paying their fucking minor leaguers. It's a whole other thing. In MLS, um, it's billionaires versus normal people, right? Like there's not a ton of millionaires in MLS. Um, a lot of the players are making, you know, I'm not making what I make cause I'm making like $0, uh, <laughs> $0 a year right now. But, um, you know, a lot of you listening to this podcast are probably making more than what a, a significant number of players in MLS are making on a yearly basis, right? Like, um, I did the math based on a, f- a few years ago, like what, what my wife was making or my girlfriend or fiance at the time versus like what like Brent Coleman was making. And she was making more money than Brent Coleman. And she still might be making more money than Brent Coleman. Might be close. But anyways, it's like, it's, it's, it's a completely different dynamic. Um, and these players don't have the, um, you know, a lot of players in players associations, they gear up for potential strikes and things like that and lockouts by putting money away and, and their union solidarity funds and things like that, which are very important. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's a lot of players, you know, a lot of players who are not from here um, who, if, if the player, if, if the loaners lock the players out and say, you know what, fuck it. We're not going to, we're not, we're not going to finish the season. Um, there's going to be a, a extreme uh, like dearth of talent <clears throat> next year because players are going to leave. You know, essentially they make all the players free agents. Those leave and sign contracts, you know, in other CONCACAF nations uh, over in Europe, um, you know, maybe uh, AFC, um, AFC teams or whatever. It, it, it just, they're, it's, I understand why they're, why the MLS owners are doing it. And like, listen, they'll probably be successful and they're just going to keep making more and more money. There's a reason why fucking billionaires are trying to get in MLS. Like why it's like, you know, a very hot commodity right now to get an expansion team. It's cause it's basically free fucking money. And all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I'm, do you have anything else you want to add? More question for you, David, since okay. you are more educated on these sorts of things than I am. How does the MLS model, you know, a single umbrella corporate model where the players are not technically employees of the team, of the club, but are employees of the league, you know, we've kind of talked on this podcast before, or I've had conversations at the bar with kind of the pros of, of this model where all the players are under one roof that, that, that players of maybe this team that doesn't get as high of attendance, but they are of maybe of this caliber, maybe gets a little bit better pay cut than they would normally if they're in a smaller market. Um, because all the players are under one roof and, but there are definitely drawbacks of not having each team own their own players and be able to play and make, uh, uh, certain financial or decisions for their own players. So do you have any opinions about this? Well, what's, what's the question? Does this help or hurt the, the, the fact that, that the players are owned by the league rather than the, than the clubs, 
like in Europe, um, the, the players are the the players are are essentially paid paid by by the clubs, not the Premier League or the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, uh, in the NHL, the players are played by the Minnesota Wild or or the you know New York Islanders or New York Rangers or what have you. Well, I mean, it, it depends on not the you, NHL. It depends on the framework for the question. Like who who help or hurt? Well, you know, it certainly helps. Uh, the owners to mitigate their risk, right? Like, because they're all in one pool together. Spend, spend, you know, uh, half a billion dollars, and then if his team shits the bed, then he's kind of screwed. Um, and there's a certain, certainly for some players, like the closed, the closed system makes some sense. Um, I think it makes a little bit of sense in trying to promote American players, or at least it, it had when the way it was working before. Um, but we're seeing like, we're seeing a, a devastation or a, a perceived devastation or an, est- or an attempted devastation of the development Academy system. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, that question is, is interesting question, but it's also depends on like, who are you asking about? Uh, Cause it, you know, for the, you know, bigger, the, the, you know, the retirement league type players for in like the late nineties, early two thousands, um, you know, even into, you know, you know, the early 2010s, like the system worked great because they could make whatever the fuck they wanted, you know, whatever someone was willing to pay because the, because of the Beckham rule. Um, right. For, for regular, you know, uh, everyday starters, who are, you know, American or, or whatever, like it didn't help them very much because, and also that system doesn't have free movement, right? So there's, there's all these crazy rules about re-entry drafts and, and, you know, the team, the league literally did not have free agency until like the last CBA. So, and the free agency was crazy bonkers, like insane to figure out. Um, yeah. Lots of red tape and lots of rules. And it still is. I mean, it's, it's in the new this new CB and to be fair, the new CBA makes it a little bit better and a little more um, a little bit, but no, it does it, it does significantly. Um, and they're and they're getting rid of some of the crazy of the weird like Tam Gam stuff. Right. Assuming that the CBA is ratified, which the owners are trying to fuck up, they're trying to pull back a bunch of the stuff that they gave the, the players uh, in <clears throat> in the negotiations um, late last year and uh, early 2020. So you know that. That's a question that really depends on, on in you know whose eyes are you looking, um, whether it, it's good or not. So um, my last rant on this, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It, 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 I'll just say you know there are a lot of people that that you know it's hard to look at things like professional sports and see things like ownership and collective bargaining agreements, these things are hard to see. You know, they're not in the news every day. Um, when you go to watch your team, you're not seeing the owners, you know, out there. Uh, they, they are relatively invisible. And many of their decisions and their actions and their plays on, on you know, using their power and their privilege go unnoticed, unreported, and, and invisible to most fans. And so it's very easy for someone to say, oh, yeah, you're, you're getting paid a, you know, a million plus dollars to, to play a fucking game for a living. 
I wish I had your money com could complain about, you know, not receiving healthcare or whatever like that. But, you know, the thing about it is, is in professional sports, the, the owners can take away everything from the players and the players will be hurting. Like they need healthcare. They need to have some sort of salary to live on while the owners are probably financially well off to, they don't need the players. They don't need the players to earn money for them. The players earn extra money for them. They don't need the players to have a healthcare. They're going to have healthcare regardless. Um, so I just think it's, it's a visibility problem. And, and, and hopefully by listening to this podcast, you have more understanding and visibility about these sorts of things. I hope so too. And listen, if you want to yell at me, I, I you can slide in the days. I know DMs, they're open. Um, check this out. If you uh, uh, request to follow me, I'll, I'll let you follow me and, and we can have a conversation. And if I decide I don't want to deal with you anymore, I'll kick your ass out. So, all right, let's take a break because uh, I need to fill up my beer and my whiskey and uh, we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want you be who you like me to but we both know i can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. all right and we're back and uh speaking of mls uh <laughs> player owner strife mj what happened today out in uh, out in blaine well for the past few weeks most uh, Minnesota United players have been working out either individually or voluntarily with social distancing up in Blaine um, for the past three weeks. The, the goal is now to have them eventually do like small group workouts, uh, six per group. Uh, uh, but today, no one showed up. The, the the Loons players did not participate in any workouts at Blaine uh, today, and uh, this probably has uh, re relates to the players' agreement squabbles that we already talked about. Yeah, and uh, so so there was some conversation about this, and Ethan Finlay, who is um, I think he's on the the MLS PA uh, player council, so he's like pretty high up in the in the players association <clears throat> basically said because he was asked about it and you know he's like oh we're not gonna have that conversation we're trying to figure out everything um which you know leads you to believe that he's having conversations with all the players to try and gauge where you know where they where they sit on things uh and uh that's not a i mean i don't want to insinuate anything but that's not a great sign um and again, obviously, as you alluded, you mentioned MJ, like there are voluntary workouts, but I mean, they're voluntary in, in, in the, uh, <clears throat> in the sense that it's voluntary for me to go and, and, and get my, like when my kid wakes up in the middle of the night for me to go take care of him. It's not really voluntary, <laughs> not really volunteering for it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So there, it, it's a bad sign in the sense that it, it shows disagreement. It's a good sign to me that, all the Minnesota United players are on one page and acting in solidarity. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Ethan, so Ethan's a uh, MLSPA executive board member, um, which is a, I, I knew he was yeah. heavily involved with the PA in a leadership yeah. position 
And then his, uh, I'll actually say his specific, so here's his tweet. Um, it's, he's at Ethan Finley 13 on Twitter. If you want to follow him, it's a great follow. Uh, players made a choice to focus on focus their time and energy on an important decision, which includes the threat of a lockout instead of volunteering to attend on field training for a tournament. We already agreed to attend refuse is not the word I would use. And that was, a. um, in relation to, I can't remember who specifically said refuse. Uh, so anyways, so that's a, that's a fun, a fun thing that's happening right now. Um, so the other big uh, Minnesota United news is the team um, sent out an email late last week uh, with their, their payment plan update. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you, if you got that. Uh, basically yeah, they're, suspending, they're suspending taking payments uh, for the rest of the year, which is basically there's like there's technically four payments left if you are on a a payment payment plan for Minnesota United uh, season tickets. So they're not taking any more of those payments, and basically the things that they're planning to hopefully have some resolution in mid June for what the plan will entail. Um, Andy Greeter wrote an article uh, in the Pioneer Press yesterday, or maybe it was today. Basically, uh, he, he chatted with, uh, 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 I think it's Dan Pfeiffer, um, it, the, one, of the executive, one of the executive vice presidents of Minnesota United, um, who basically said that <clears throat> they're hopeful to have something mid-June to roll out, um, you know, with uh, possibly some um, refunds if people request it, but also as we've, as pretty much everybody has like alluded to, and felt like would happen rolling it into their 2021 renewal process. Didn't say anything about not um, raising ticket prices in that article. Um, so it would not surprise me at all if the team decides that they're going to uh, jack up the ticket prices. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't either. It's, it really is uh, kind of a whole up in the air thing. And, and Allianz being in its second year and not going to get used at all in 2020 would be you know, they're obviously, they were planning on a ton of revenue from Allianz and not just from soccer, not just from Minnesota United soccer, um, from, but from soccer. And I, I, I'm sure from other, other, you know, plans for concerts and things like that. So not getting any revenue into the stadium in 2020 is going to be a big deal. And I worry that, that some of Minnesota United season ticket holders might bear the brunt of that uh, in 2021. The most loyal fans or the most, you know, the fans that contribute the most stability to the club may take the brunt of, of some of that. Like, let's pass the law, this, some of this financial loss on to people we, we know are going to be there for us anyway. Yeah. Which is, I think, is a shit move. I really hope they don't. Um, and they haven't done anything to, you know, to allude to that yet. Uh, you know, there have been, the team, to their credit, has been, I mean, they've been coming out with with these uh, with these emails at the very last possible minute uh, about payment plans and things like that, and and have not offered a, an opportunity for people to recoup their expenses, um, especially in this day and age and this time, even before uh, all the you know civil unrest, um, for people who needed you know maybe need that couple hundred bucks back uh, to take care of their family and buy groceries and things like that, um, they haven't had that option yet, so. And this is, that's, you know, for most professional sports teams, that is like the standard operating procedure, right? Minnesota United is not doing anything differently. They're just 
Um, they've been a little bit uh, late in conveying that information, but yeah, they um, are the MJ of MLS. <laughs> You know, to their credit, they are they are communicating. Um, they're you know, I, I've been I've been seeing all over the place on Twitter and people like complaining about not hearing anything from the team. So clearly, they're not getting that message out to everybody because I know it, you know it, a lot of people know right. it. But and literally on that um, Ethan Finley tweet today, um, someone complained about the team not communicating to them about season ticket stuff, and it's like, well, actually, they sent an email uh, four days ago that you, you clearly did open or or whatever so you know the, the team is not the team is not responsible for everything that happens they can do you know they clearly need to do their due diligence i'm not uh saying they're not doing their due diligence, due diligence. i'm sure they're i'm sure they are you know but they could do probably more to cover as many people as possible you're not going to catch everybody as someone who's worked in communications and marketing and stuff like you're still going to get people who are going to ask you the question that you answered in an email a day ago because they just don't read shit properly. Um, so it's not a, like not, they can't be responsible for everybody. So, uh, this, if, if there is anybody out there that has Minnesota United emails that you want to go to primary and you, they're going to social or they're going to promotions or they're going to spam and you need help with that please hit me up on, on, on Twitter and I can help you with that. One thing I haven't heard from the team is about uh, individual tickets, people who bought uh, individual tickets. I, or, uh, I haven't heard anything. I don't have, I, I didn't normally, I normally I buy extra tickets uh, early in the season for friends and family. So I, I did, but I didn't buy any this year. Um, but I know. Why not David? Why, why don't you love your friends and family? Because I am unemployed. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I hear you. But I, I, you know, I haven't heard anything about that. But I, again, I'm not, I'm not on those emails because I don't have a, a extra tickets. I do have some tickets I bought from the Minnesota Twins that I've not heard anything about. I have, a, I bought the the monthly season pass from them, and I got an email again today, basically. Oh, we didn't charge you again for this month. I'm like, great, cool. You're not going to be playing baseball games in front of fans. Um, but I do actually have some, uh, some single game tickets that I bought. I've not heard anything from the twins about whether they're going to refund those. Um, they're not going to play those games because they were against the Colorado Rockies. So even if they play a very abbreviated schedule, it's, they're not going to play Colorado this year. So they need to just refund me that fucking money, but whatever interest-free loan for a, the, the, the poll ads. Yeah. Um, I, moving on to some, to some, or sorry, you have anything else, MJ? I hope that at worst, like if we don't see the inside of Allianz, for a Minnesota United home game at all this season, you know, I I hope the fallback or worst comes to worst plan is that you forward this to next year's, you know, you forward all the payments that they've received to to next year's season tickets. Um, and what I what I then hope, which we've kind of already alluded to, is that the season ticket price increase from 2020 to 2021 is not in excess of what it normally w- would have been, you know? Oh, I mean, the bare minimum is you, you just move it to 2021. Yeah. The, the expectation or the good expectation is that you don't increase the price at all. Yeah. Uh, gold standard would actually be like, you know what? We're actually, you know, we're going to take, we're going to take away a payment because we, we understand this is screwed up and it's possible. We may not play an entire season uh, in, in our home stadium with fans next year. So, 
we want to make sure that we're going to we're trying to set you right or whatever like that'd be the gold standard oh yeah and the platinum standard would be if you want your money refunded because you need it now and rather make these payments when you're reemployed next season we will start your your payment plan when it normally would happen you know this fall and give you the money for this summer but that's not going to happen you keep your spot in in in, in the in the season ticket yeah, yeah I mean, because I've, I've I've kept saying I've, and I've said this many times on this podcast like why don't they offer people if they want to get their money back now they can get their money back but they move to the, the back of the of the waiting list right and then the next person on the waiting list moves into the to, to spot like that is like that's like seems like the easiest thing to do um mm-hmm. but they're they don't want to do it and I'm sure there's you know again I don't work in a front office. I'm sure there's many reasons why. I mean, money in hand is is a lot, you know, means a lot versus potential money that's out there. And um, I, I know I know that concept very very well. So I'm not like I, I totally understand why. But it, you know, people are if apparently there's not enough people who are agitating for their money back. And I think and I feel like probably 95 percent of of the people who are season ticket holders in Minnesota are are happy to like just push it forward to next year. Yeah. They're just a temporary loan, you know, with no interest or whatever. And they're going to, you know, get our, um, but, it, but it, yes, I mean, if they increase, if they increase season ticket prices and, and add extra money on, it's going to be very, very frustrating for a lot of people. So, so yeah, anyways, um, so let's move on to some um, actual uh, good news. Um, so Mid- the Midway Wanderers did a, a Jersey. uh sick, sick What's that? It's a sick, sick kit. I'm wearing it. Yeah, they it showed up today. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so yeah, and, and it was part of the cool thing about it. Um, so Scott de Maranville, um, he designed it. He's been a, a very instrumental in Tifo the last couple of years on uh, designing Tifo. Uh, he's a Midway resident. He's lives about four blocks from me. Um, he sold. I can't remember exactly how many he sold. But he raised every, every kit that sold. Was, he gave donated ten dollars to the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative. Um, so if you ordered that kit, I know there's, I'm sure there's a few people on the podcast who uh, who are Midway Wanderers. Um, if you ordered that kit, it should be in your mailbox relatively soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, again, it's it's super awesome. I'm really excited about it. And then uh, speaking of the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative, uh, I you mentioned it at the very very beginning of the podcast, but um, it's. Uh, it's the organization. It was the community benefits fund that was basically created as part of the agreement to, um, to build Alliance in St. Paul in the Midway area. It's raising money um, for what well, was raising money basically for beautification, placemaking, you know, sort of business uh, improvements, things like that was the original plan of it. Then COVID happened. We raised about $90,000 uh, for COVID related relief. And once, all the stuff happened uh, on Thursday night in the Midway. Um, we pivoted and are have been raising money for relief for businesses uh, and nonprofits and things like that that were affected by the rioters and the looters and um, you know the damage caused by the police and, and the people that the police were uh, um, trying to trying to mess with. Um, since that time, we've raised uh, about $180,000. Actually, yeah, about $10,000 since we started having this conversation <laughs> um, tonight. So 
but we need a lot more. I mean, businesses, little businesses. So there's a business, um, a really great example is Bole, which is a really great Ethiopian restaurant in the Midway on the corner of Syndicate and University. They um, burned down, right? Burned down completely. Shit. They, got, they, had, they were awarded a $2,500 COVID grant as part of our, our first round of grants that we did that we were literally going to send the checks out on Friday. Um, that business doesn't exist anymore because it literally burned to the ground. So we need to help rebuild businesses in the community. We need to help um, fix uh, things that were broken. The Goodwill had all their windows smashed uh, on their main level. Um, you know, places were looted. Uh, you know, it was, again, I'm not gonna, you know, lots of bad actors, um, lots of just pent up rage and, and righteous anger and, and uh, but a lot of, of, of shit happened and, and, you know, particularly in the Midway, very devastated. I know South Minneapolis as well, very devastated. So uh, the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative, um, you know, we, we are going to pivot and do that work. Um, MidwayUnited.org um, or the actual direct giving page, uh, GiveMN.org or slash story slash NUFC. And that actually literally is like the donation page. So um, if you have the time, if you have the money, if you have the, the means and want to help uh, a community, please do. So, MJ, let's, uh, let's talk about Minneapolis City. Some more good news. Um, well, first, the bad news. Center back uh, Jonah Garcia, who's been playing in the lower league E-Cup, finally lost after winning about four or so group stage games and a round of 16, a quarterfinal and a semifinal. He made it to the finals of the lower league E-Cup in, in FIFA and, and he lost uh, over, over two legs. Uh, there was lots of kind of some fun Twitter chatter about, you know, another uh, fake trophy that, that Minneapolis city could win. And uh, you know, there, there have been various uh, cups that Minneapolis city has claimed some just, absolutely created by their fans for the fun of it. So uh, that is over. But the good news out of this is the lower league cup uh, plans to create some merch, I assume t-shirts or jerseys or caps or what have you. And 100% of their proceeds are going to go to charity. Now, 50% of these proceeds are going to go to the action against hunger. Great nonprofit. Why not? But the other 50% are going to go to Minneapolis city's nonprofits to help with charities in, in, in Minneapolis. Um, and the lower league, league E cup encompasses, I don't know how many, I mean, it's not just NPSL and U, U, uh, UPSL. It's like a lot of smaller leagues um, that, you know, in, indoor soccer leagues and, and, you know, fifth tier, you know, on the pyramid American soccer league. And, they did not have to do this. And I think it's pretty cool that, you know, whether it's was from their sponsor protagonist soccer or the organizers of the low league E-Cup for them to uh, say, hey, we're going to create some merch and 50% of, of these proceeds are going to go to Minneapolis City's charities because they understand how hard we've been hit in Minneapolis. Um, in addition to that, the club shop has their own charity initiatives. Uh, 
they were running a special, I don't know if it's still going on, but $10 of any jersey purchase went to the Simpsons, uh, the food shelf, the Simpson food shelf. Um, if you want to order stickers for them for two bucks, all the $2 would go to the Simpson food shelf. And kind of unlike a lot of other places that try to partner and get you to buy merch to send money to charity, they gave you the GoFundMe link to just, if you wanted, you didn't want to buy any merch from them, but just wanted to donate to this charity, you know, here's the link for it. So um, I thought that was really stand up of them. Uh, you can follow them at NPLS City SC, NPLS C I T Y S C on Twitter. Um, this past weekend, they held a supply drive and pop-up pantry at their club shop. Um, they, they were handing out um, supplies and food uh, to passersby. Uh, this Saturday from 9.30 to 3 p.m., June 6th, they're going to have another supply drive and pop-up pantry. So if you need things or you have things you want to donate, that is an avenue in South Minneapolis to do so. Um, just doing a lot of good things in community. Sure, and they're very much known by known for that, and that's why I also love uh, Minneapolis City. So, um, yeah, I just want to say, just, I guess maybe I'm sure it's probably patently patently obvious, um, but uh, this podcast fully supports the MLS players in this. Uh, the MLS players and, and owners dispute, right? Like, just, you know, like just reading some stuff and making sure that people know that we are uh, we are a pro union podcast. So, all right. Was, um, there, was there any doubt? I I don't think so. But <laughs> I was just like, let's just feel like I should put that out there. I just want to make sure that we fucking say it out loud. This, we support yeah. the players and and um, fuck the owners of uh, MLS. So. Uh, all right, what's uh, we, we're gonna jump, pa- jump past a few things um, that we normally do in the podcast because we don't have Bill and Dan here. We want to try and keep this under an hour and a half if possible. Uh, once a loon, uh, MJ, who we got this year or this week? Tony Santa, it is Tony Santa's birthday, so happy yeah. birthday, to Tony Santa! A day after my birthday, and you know, uh, various people in Minnesota have connected with Tony Santa in various different ways. Uh, obviously, uh, he played for the Minnesota Thunder uh, in two stints, in two separate stints. Um, he was very visible in the uh, U.S. men's national team. Uh, so, and he has a great charity called the Santa Foundation that um, does a lot of great work, soccer-related and non-soccer-related in Haiti. And he also, the Santa Foundation also does uh, charity work in the Twin Cities here. Yeah, so. in St. Paul. They're doing it. They've been doing a really amazing uh, uh, food bank stuff with the COVID. Uh, and they yeah, before that, they were doing a lot of um, the, so if people are familiar with the Conway Rec Center on the east side of, uh, east side of St. Paul. Um, yes. It's a very low income community. And Tony is, is officed out of there. Uh, they, the Santa Foundation is officed out of there. They do a lot of amazing work, and the, and the Dark Clouds, um, Silver Lining have done um, a lot of work in that building. Actually, honestly, like 
scraping and painting and and doing the uh, their their soccer gear sorting every year. We've been very involved with Tony Sana and in most of his endeavors in, in his in the last ten years or so. And you know, as as a fan of both Minnesota United and Tony Sana, you know, seeing him come to the Nomad for some watch parties way back in the day, um, a very approachable person, you know, just someone that you can come to and ask questions or, you know, you might have some, you know, soccer celebrity, you know, anxiety, but you can just say, hey, um, do you have time to, to talk about such and such? And, you know, if it's not in the middle of the game or it's just post the game, he usually will make the time out to, to have a chat with you. So just a really good dude. Um, yeah. Just to cover his career in, in, in brief, uh, he actually, uh, even though he was born in St. Paul, he started with a couple of Milwaukee teams. You know, he went to school. I think he went to school out there. Uh, his first club was the Milwaukee Rampage, was, which was a huge rival of, of the Minnesota Thunder. And, uh, but the, he actually went to the Minnesota Thunder right after the, the Milwaukee Rampage. And so in his two years, he had 24 games uh, from 1995 to 96 with the Minnesota Thunder. 18 goals in 24 games, which I find really impressive. Um, and then he went to DC United, and then he spent five years in the Bundesliga with uh, Hertha Berlin and uh, FC Nuremberg. Um, and then after that, various other MLS teams, uh, Columbus, Chicago, came back to Minnesota United for a brief period of time, basically just two games, and then with the uh, Colorado Rapids and the LA Galaxy. Uh, all in all, a very impressive career. Um, you know, the, the, if you're not familiar with the goals that he scored for the U.S. men's national team in World in, in, in World Cup history, you know, you can find them on YouTube. Um, you know, an incredible player and someone with an incredible heart that wants to give back to the community. Yeah. I'll say a couple of things. In 2002, he gets – he has the hockey assist on the goal that gets the U.S. into the quarterfinals, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so he has yeah, he has the cross, then the cross happens, and then that yeah, that 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 amazing amazing goal that everybody knows. Um and he, you know, was probably one of the better players on on, on the two thousand two World Cup team. He that's the only World Cup he played in was two thousand two. He was playing as a right back. Um and the only World Cup he played in, but he was probably one of the better he played all the all the all five games that the U S played in that world cup um, was probably one of the better players on that, on that squad. Uh, just his career just didn't really line up with world cup cycles, unfortunately. And to MJ's earlier point um, I've met, I mean, I've met Tony a bunch of times, never very, never very long, never very like, you know, not like some people that I know who, who have had, you know, years long relationships with the guy, but every time I see him, no matter where it's at, if it's, if it's, you know, at the burger battle, if it's at uh, Conway to do some, you know, equipment sorting or to help paint, or if it's, you know, out at the, at the gala and they, he throws the fun, the Santa foundation throws a kick-ass gala. So if you ever get a chance to go to the gala, it's always in January, fancy, you get, get dressed up fancy. Uh, it's, it's a great time. The guy always says hi to me and, and says, Hey David, how's it going? Like, 
he knows he remembers my name and that's i think is a very like i'm terrible with names but um but someone who like definitely has he goes out of his way to like remember that sort of stuff he like he's obviously recognized me and sees me around he could easily be like hey how's it going because you know he'd see me but reckon and recognize me and and but he has taken his time to like remember my name reach out um and a lot and you know his all of his staff too are, are very similar like tony works with some really great people and they've i think they take on a lot of the same um awesome qualities that 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 uh tony does too so highly recommend the sauna foundation um you know the work that they're doing with with soccer in the in the twin cities but also specifically and, and more importantly at this you know this stage like the community uh, around the east side of st paul and specifically um with the families that they work with at the conway center is is really fucking important right now so cool that was a good one mj thanks good job um <laughs> all right uh so do you have any what are you doing to survive the the corona uh, well in, my, my latest uh youtube explorations into into food videos the the Bon Appetit reverse engineering series that features a, a guy w which they say it has super tasting abilities or is labeled as a super taster, um, a, a chef by the name of, of Chris Morocco. If you're not familiar with super tasting, a lot of it is the people who get the super tasting uh, genetics, if you will, uh, get labeled as fussy or picky eaters because flavors are just so strong to them that they get amplified, the, the smell and the taste of them, that they don't like to eat a lot of things. Um, well, Chris Morocco actually has the benefit of having a very sensitive nose and a very good palate um, and then having gone to chef school where, you know, he, he can you know, he has a very balanced palate and uh, while it's very sensitive, it's not so sensitive that he has allergies or not so sensitive that he's, he avoids or is picky about certain foods. And so they'll bring in things like Guy Fieri's trash can nachos or Jamie Oliver's famous um, impossible, uh, uh, famous, famous hamburger or something like that. And the trick is he has a blindfold on. So when I reverse engineering before I go to a restaurant, I, you know, like I have all these benefits of, I, I go to the restaurant, I see it, I taste it, I smell it. And I've probably read the ing par a partial ingredients list on the menu, you know, and maybe I mean, even talk with the, if it's a mom and pop store, talk with the chef or talk with them like, oh, so what else is in here? So it's not that hard for, for me to reverse engineer, but this guy, they, they do this deal where he has a blindfold on and he can't see anything and he only can use smell taste and touch and then and then he tries to recreate these famous recipes and it's pretty impressive cool uh funnily enough you mentioned that so obviously um it's just been weird so i've been like up most nights uh till three or four o'clock in the morning uh watching just trying to i mean we can you know re-watching like things like the thick of it uh which is a really great yeah go with peter capaldi uh, HBO Max just launched last week, so um, Doctor Who, uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Uh, it went away from Amazon for a while, and now it's over at HBO Max. So I've been watching Doctor Who. Um, Who's but, your favorite Doctor, David? What's that? You have a favorite Doctor? 
Not really. Not really, because I, I really appreciate all of them. The new ones for, I mean, um, Baker's my favorite doctor uh, okay. of all time. Okay. Uh, the, the, the doctor I got, so I, re- I remember watching Doctor Who on PBS. Oh, like, I, I wasn't talking ago. about going that. I was talking like Chris Eccleston and, and newer. Oh, yeah, no, no, for sure. So, so yeah, so like I watched Doctor Who back when it was like, which air on PBS like Sunday nights or whatever with uh, my parents like go to bed and I would watch Doctor Who. Go back to the BBC radio dramas too? <laughs> yeah. So, and I, so I, I remember watching it and I really liked um, uh, Tom Baker. And then, um, kind of forgot about Doctor Who and then all of a sudden it was like I think it was in the middle of the Den- David Tennant era sure I think it was I think it was with um oh now I'm blanking on her name after Martha Jones I don't watch the show don't I mean it's after Freema anyways uh Donna Noble that so I, that's like when I like re-picked back up the Doctor but I went back and watched like everything. And so I don't know, like I really, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm quite, I was a little, I was not a huge fan of the, the first season of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. Um, I really appreciated what she was doing. I just didn't really like some of the writing. Uh, this last season was really good. So um, I don't think really think you can go wrong with any, any of the newer doctors. But in addition to that, uh, what I was saying is I, actually, we talked about reverse engineering food. Like I, um, so I, I was a chef. I was a sous chef for a long time. And That's right. Yeah. For a long time. So like, I really like to cook. It's like a thing I like to do. Um, that is like, you know, a stress reliever for me. So for my birthday, I made, um, uh, I had this really like intricate salad that I really wanted to make. It's bacon wrapped grilled chicken salad with, uh, lime and avocado. Um, nice. I like it already. I posted pictures on, on my Instagram and on Twitter. It was fucking great. It was delicious uh, and time consuming. And then today, actually, I, uh, I made, so I found this recipe that for Ikea meatballs and their gravy. Yeah, sure. Swedish meatballs. I, I modified it and then I made some like really like awesome creamy whipped mashed potatoes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a good, good time. Good time. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So yeah, so I was I, don't know, I was cooking and it's like ninety degrees outside. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use like everything in my kitchen. To so here's a question: Did you did you use any bread or bread crumbs in your Swedish meatball recipe? Yes. Okay. Cool. Bread crumbs. Yeah. Awesome. I think the trick is you 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 have get you get pork mince and beef mince and you combine yes. it. And the ratio is yeah. the the thing, right? So it's like. I, Two to one, yeah. Beef to pork, yeah. Two to one beef to pork is is the magic ratio. Yep. So, anyway, so, so that was the fun stuff. Sounds I Sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, sounds amazing. I'm, gl- I'm glad you got to cook on your birthday. It's hilarious. Like, yes, I like to be cooked for, but like sometimes, like I also could be a kind of a control freak. So it's like, no, I want to cook what I want to cook and eat what I want to eat on my birthday. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cook it. And and to be fair, Anna made like she made uh, breakfast in the morning, and then she made yeah yoga pancakes. She made lemon meringue pie from like lemon meringue oh, pie really? is my favorite dessert of all time. And oh, she, you're a big lemon guy, huh? Not I'm not a huge lemon guy generally, but I love lemon meringue pie. I've always have I yeah. once ate an entire lemon meringue pie at a Baker Square, or sorry, a Perkins uh, at like three o'clock in the morning. 
Yeah, that sounds legit. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm more of a pecan or rhubarb custard person. That's fair. But uh, uh, fun story. I don't know if I've actually ever told that. I think I've told that story in the podcast to Martin. But I haven't told it to you guys. So I'll, I'll tell that story some other time. Um, <clears throat> but Lemmering, and so she's been perfecting. She's been, ever since we've been together, uh, Anna, like, has been making me a lemon meringue pie for my birthday. And we've been together for six years now. I think this is six oh, years. Oh, wow. Congrats, man. That's awesome. But, she, but like this pie, the lemon meringue pie was the best pie she's ever made. Yeah. For me. Like, and my you mom told made this. Yes. Really you this. this was as good as my mom's lemon meringue pie. Um, so she's getting better and better and better every year. So now it's like, it's almost perfect. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now it's, she's like, oh, next year it'll be, it'll be great. I'm like, you know, you can make lemon meringue pie more than once a year if you want to, right? Which she kind of, yeah, chuckled at me, acknowledging Right, me. right. Well, so that raises the question, David. Lemon meringue pie might not be her favorite pie. What would be her favorite pie? Um, probably something with chocolate in it. Okay. So, so here's the thing. I'm not a pie guy, generally. I like, I love, I fucking love lemon meringue pie. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I'm not a big, I don't like hot fruit pies yeah I, i'm a big fruit pie person you know i'm not i'm not really the only in the only cream pie, pie. the only cream pie i like is sour cream and raisin which is the the least likely that you're going to find on a diner menu so <laughs> like you're going to find a lot of french silk a lot of lemon meringue and maybe some like boston cream or uh uh you know key lime or something like that on, yeah. on the sure. pie side of things and yeah. every so often you, you still find that the sour cream and raisin i'm like yeah I'll, i can do that but uh, yeah, no, I'm a big, I, I like my, you know, uh, berry or, or uh, apple uh, and uh, rhubarb custard is my favorite. <laughs> all right. Well, we, in spite of all this shit, we still managed to go almost two hours. Um, so uh, you can always please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to these stupid podcasts. Uh, DavesIKnow.com. Um, patreon.com backslash Dave's I know midwayunited.org honestly like please go there uh, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter the Dave's I know dot substack.com I'm going to be putting something out um, hopefully middle of this week here uh, maybe throw in a uh, oh and a teaser for people who are still listening we're going to have Brian Coleman on the podcast next week so <laughs> we forgot to mention that earlier I might throw that in at the beginning of the podcast that Brian Coleman's going to be on next week um, which is awesome correct right, right MJ yeah, we'll see about us, like, most likely. Okay, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Uh, at TDIKMN on Twitter, I'm at Texas Eller. Dan is always at D-Wade. Bill is at Bill underscore McGuire. And MJ is at MJ Matsui. Uh, thank you all for coming. Uh, justice for George. Uh, and uh, all cops are bastards. One, three, one, two. Fuck the police. Even the days you know, this is the Try and work it out Cause we both know We can't do nothing at all Oh, oh, yeah Oh, 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 oh. We did we, we do our thing, son Long as you do yours, land here Become fleet, con Yeah uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son Who the act we attract to Hope to reach one uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing Do it do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Check it out, though. GT. He don't do nothing at all.